Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for November 1st, 2009. And we're going to pick up uh, with some current events, breaking current events regarding, I guess, end time type current events that we should really be on guard for it and almost expecting to see. Probably the main thing that happened this last week uh, was Obama signing the hate crimes bill. And uh, that's what we're going to be getting into the first part of the study and seeing what that potentially could mean for uh, Christianity, Christians in America. True, the real Christians. I'm, I'm not talking about the ones that <laughs> are like pseudo-Christians. This is from uh, a newsletter I got from Missionaries to the Preborn. And just kind of read you a paragraph from this. It says on, on 102809, you know, just a few days ago, President Obama signs the hate crime bill uh, giving special status and protections to sodomites. Really, if, if you could define it, it would be gays, lesbians, transgendered. Okay, would be the more, I guess, complete definition of the whole thing. This attack upon the, is an attack upon the word of God and Christianity. Now, I'm going to show you why it's an attack on the Word of God primarily. Because the Word of God is what we base our Christianity off of, right? I mean, that's, you know, thy word is a lamp and a feet and a light and a path. And, and the Word is a foundation of our faith. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's what the Bible says, Psalm 11.3. So, what they're trying to do is destroy our foundation in the Word of God. The Bible is clear that God judges nations which give themselves over to homosexuality. See Jude 7. That homosexuality is considered filthy conduct. 2 Peter 2, 6-7. That homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. That homosexuality is unnatural and shameful. Romans 1, 26 and 27. In fact, you could read a lot of Romans 1, and we will be reading some of that um, shortly here, where it talks about that. The Bible makes clear that not only those who practice such things, but also those who approve of such things, can be deserving of the righteous judgment of God, according to Romans 1.32. Our message to homosexuals is a simple one. The state cannot protect you from the judgment of God. And that's, that's the essence. You know, they can enact every single hate crime bill on the planet. But no matter what they would do to a Christian, a true born-again Christian, the reality is, is if they kill you, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay? But for homosexuals, although they may have some temporary protection in this temporal life, it doesn't matter what the state enacts, it's not going to protect them from God's judgment when their life is over. Or even sometimes during their life, if God so chooses to judge the wicked in, this, you know, in their lifetime. And that happens all the time. Where the Bible talks about the wicked, you know, will um, it, it talks a lot about a lot about this in Proverbs, where you know the wicked will not live out half their days and things of this nature. So their their lives are cut short. In the average homosexual uh, male, I believe their lifespan is like fifty one, because of uh, a lot of the advent of a lot of the sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, their lifespan is far less than the average American. In, in, um, in America. So anyway, and I've gotten into that in previous studies, the, the actual uh, statistics on that. Federal law will do you no good when you stand before God on Judgment Day. You must be born again through the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform your life. Though most all of American Christianity wants to accommodate your sin, 
You have no special rights when you stand before God. It is the same for all men. Repent and believe. Our message to the state is a simple one. Your authority is not autonomous. It is delegated to you from God. God's law supersedes man's law. Therefore, when you make law contrary to his word, you are in rebellion to God. See, this whole country, this whole government, is an absolute 100% rebellion to the Lord Jesus Christ in his word. As for us, when, when man makes laws contrary to God's words, we acknowledge and obey his word rather than man's laws. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So if there's laws that run contrary to the word of God, and there's many, and there's many that could be enacted that would do that, who do you obey? God or man? You always obey the Lord in his word. While civil, civil magistrates in our nation have abandoned their God-given duty to be ministers for good. See, that's where it talks about in Romans 13. We're talk, and I've done a whole teaching on Romans 13. You can access that in the keyword search box on uh, sermonaudio.com forward slash Dr. Dr. Scott Johnson. That portion of scripture applies when the government is as used as a minister for good. Okay? But see, the problem is, is, is now it's the exact opposite in America. Now they are a tear to good works, as the Bible talks about in Romans 13.3, thus perverting their God-given a function. And while the church in America is asleep and most pastors and ministers are whoring themselves out to the thinking of the world, they are. Where, where, was, where was the gigantic public uprising and outcry of all of these super mega church, of all of these big mega ministries that are on like TBN and these things? Where, why weren't they mobilizing all of their followers against this hate crime legislation? I, personally, I saw nothing. I'm not saying there wasn't any, but I saw no no real movement on their part at all. They're just silent because they're part of the problem. They're hirelings. And somebody that's a hireling has no true love for the flock. But the true shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. But they're hirelings. They're in it for the money. That's They're in it for the hire. The money. So they've sold themselves out, they've sold their congregations and their followers out. And they just sit idly by while all of this draconian legislation is pushed through that we talk about week to week many times. It's just unbelievable. The church is as much to blame as it is is anyone. You know, as the church goes, so goes the nation. And if the church is spineless and silent, then evil will just end up Overtaking Now, God always preserves a remnant. He's always going to preserve those that are not going to bow their knee to Baal. Always. But uh, it's just unbelievable. But see, because they're 501c3 corporate entities, with the pastor designated as the CEO, and the board of directors of the deacons, and that's exactly how the IRS will designate you, even if you don't do it in your own church paperwork, because of this, this relationship which is totally unbiblical. There's no biblical precedent for incorporating your church, becoming a corporate entity. Who gave you your right to exist? The state. And whose guidelines do you have to abide by? Well, the Bible. No, 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 no. IRS guidelines. Those are the ones you have to abide by, Pastor. Well, bless God, I don't do it. Well, you should be. 
You signed up for it. You yoked yourself up with it. If you if if you yoke yourself up with that and you you sign that paperwork, isn't that deceptive? If you're not playing by their rules, hey, they gave you your right to exist. They're the creator of your corporate 501c3 entity, your corporate church. They're your creator. God is not. You cannot have two heads. Anything with two heads is a monster. You can't bow your knee to Baal and your knee to God. I'm not saying all 501c3 pastors are are evil or that they even know or have ever been even educated on this. But that's why the Bible says in Hosea 4, 6 that my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. One of them, you could go on and on and on. You have no idea what's happening to you on a spiritual level when you take on a 501c3 status as well. You're yoking yourself up with the government who we know is absolutely, I mean, hopefully we've proven that in all the previous studies, is totally after genocide, totally after creating a, uh, depopulating the planet, creating a slave class and a class of elites, totally wiping out the middle class of America, creating a bunch of dumbed-down, sickly, feminized men, in particular. We're going to talk about that in a little bit as well, how they're doing that. It's just unbelievable. Uh, I just don't see the backbone. I don't see the backbone. I don't see... It's it's really sad. It's just unbelievable is what it really is. But I believe a lot of this started when people, number one, started getting away from the Word of God and using these false versions. When did that start really happening in earnest? 1881, when the revised version of Westcott and Hort, who were two high-level occultists who were buddies with people like Charles Darwin uh, and people of that nature. They had a club called the Ghostly Guild, and the Hermes Club, where they got together and did seances. These are the guys that translated the Revised Version, who translated it from two corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus. Who were these, these Catholic manuscripts contradicted each other in so many places that whenever they contradicted, they just said, ah, oh, we'll just use the, the Vaticanus whenever it contradicts the Sinaiticus. The only reason they're the oldest manuscripts is because even the Catholic Church wouldn't touch them for hundreds and hundreds of years. So they say, oh, the whatever, the Sinaiticus or the Vaticanus, they're the older, better manuscripts. It's because nobody would touch them. They were corrupt. They even knew they were corrupt. Virtually all modern versions are translated from the Revised Version of 1881 that was translated from those two corrupt Catholic manuscripts that eventually, that actually spawned from Alexandria, Egypt, originally. The Word of God's been polluted. The Word of God's been corrupted. It's been leavened. And a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. The NIV has 64,098 less words than the KJV. That's almost 10% of the total text. Who were they tithing those words to? That's 10% a tithe, right? Was it God or was it the devil? The Bible says, no, we're not supposed to add to or take away from his word. Let's God reprove thee and thou be found a liar. At the end of the book of Revelation, it even gives a more stern warning that anybody that removes the book, uh, the words of the book of this prophecy, I'll remove his part out of the book of life. And then anyone that adds to the book of the words of this prophecy, I will add to the plague. I will add unto him the plagues of this book. It's just not something you want to be messing around with, is the point here. That happened in 1881, and then, you know, decades later, then we had 
the government via the IRS coming in and, and, and offering them their 501c3 status. And yes, I really believe it is that big of a deal. You could say I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. Then explain to me why the church is in the shape it's in. When did it start? What was it that actually got it corrupted off the bat? As far as I can identify, those are two major things. That, I'm not saying there's, a, there's not other issues that happened. But I think those are two of the main pillar key issues. And how that's affected the church using false Bible versions and then taking on a corporate status where God was not the creator of that church anymore. The state was. And they're supposed to be abiding by IRS guidelines. Not preaching about certain things. Like the homosexual issues. Like political issues. Well, there's a lot of different things they're not supposed to be talking about. Regardless of if they're doing that or not, that doesn't make it right. They should be abiding by those guys. They signed up for it. Those are the two big, two of the big things I really believe has done this to the church. And created a lot of the other apostasy that we now see. It's fruit. It's rotten fruit. It's the Laodicean church era. That the Bible talks about in Revelation 3. That they're blind, weak, naked, wretched, blind before the Lord, yet they think they're in need of nothing. They don't think they're in need of anything. But God says, I counsel thee to, to um, buy the uh, white raiment and eyesight that thou mayest see. They don't see, they're blind. White raiment is like the trial of our faith. And the purity of our the lives that we live and these types of things. All those things have been pretty much thrown out the window. And the church has been gelded in and uh, for the most part, the pseudo church, I don't know. I don't know how many people of those are actually saved. I do believe a certain amount of them will get woke up as things start to get worse and worse and worse. But most of them, I believe, have chosen their way. The Bible says, you know. Narrow be the way that which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. As it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, what do we have in today's day and age in, in America? We've got the uh, gay, gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual, sodomite crowd taken over, having laws to justify their lifestyle. We've got baby killing that's been going on through abortion for decades and decades and decades. That innocent blood defiles the land. All of this behavior by the Sodomites defiles the land. And as the land becomes more defiled, things get worse and worse and worse. It attracts more demons and devils and curses on the land. And people become more and more blinded. It's no wonder. That's just kind of in a nutshell. I just kind of surmise things a little bit in a nutshell. So, if we go further, uh, the hate crime laws have been used in other countries to silence and persecute Christians for declaring the truth of God's word regarding homosexuality. And though hate crime laws have been used in our own nation to silence and persecute Christians, and they've got a link here you can go to, we will not be silent. We will continue to declare the truth of our king's word as his faithful ambassadors. Amen. This is, you know, this just happened this week. Obviously, this is the first thing I talked about. I'm not going to back off. I'm just not. I mean, you know, I don't think any of us should. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But how do we appropriate God's protection? 
the angel of the Lord and camp around about them that fear him. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, knowledge. There's all of these blessings connected with the fear of the Lord. So we don't want to cower in fear over these types of issues. Romans 1, 26 through 28. And this is why I say this is more of an attack on the Bible than anything. This is an attack on the word of God. See, eventually they're going to have to ban the King James Bible. Actually, if they really be honest, they should, They and I'm not saying they. I want them to, but if they are really honest, they're, they're going to have to do this. Because where do we get the tenets regarding our beliefs on homosexuality? Well, it's not, if regarding Christianity, it's just not something we all thought up. It's something that's clearly laid out in the Word of God. So what you're doing by telling me that I can't speak out against homosexuality as a sin is you're telling me I can't practice my religion. Now, the Muslims can go around and they can do whatever they want. They can, they can spew all manner of hate and, and uh, you know, kill people and do this and do that. That's okay. But the Christians have to keep their mouths shut. Why is it just the Christians that are the ones being targeted? Huh, I wonder. Maybe because, you know, all these, these, these things that are going against us are being motivated through the devil. They are of their father, the devil, and of his works they will do. He is the father of lies. He was a liar from the beginning. Romans 1.26-28, For this cause God gave them up to vile affections. There comes a time when God, if you're sinning and sinning and sinning, God will just let you have it your way. He'll just let you have it your way. If you continually keep turning your back on the Lord, it's just going to come a time. He doesn't. The, the Spirit of God will not always strive with man forever. God gave them up to vile affections. He's the one that actually, just like in Second Thessalonians uh, chapter two, where it says God, and this is regarding the end times. This is regarding the day and times we're essentially living in and moving into. God will send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth. Now, this is a scary proposition for all of these people sitting in these mega churches and in their these church ministries where, where sin is not really hardly talked about and where they sit silent regarding these issues where Christianity is being destroyed and you could go on and on and on. God will send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie? Oh, the flu swine, the swine flu shots are good. They're, they're, our government's here for our protection. They're, they're a minister of good for our protection. No, they're not. No, they're not. Why would they enact these types of legislations if they were that? What they're doing is something the Bible says you shouldn't do. They're calling evil good and good evil. That's what they're doing. They're saying, Obama is saying, the sodomite movement, the gay, uh, bisexual, transgender, whatever, Movement is good. And anything that opposes that is evil. Well, Obama, you're nothing more than a devil from the pit of hell. That's all you are. You are of your father and of his works you will do. You're an agent of Satan. That's, that's the long and the short of it. He's, it's not me saying it. It's the word of God saying it. By their fruits you shall know them. Well, I judge his fruit. It's very obvious what's going on here. Wickedness and evil is being called good. 
And when you look in the Bible, the two things that always brings about God's most severe judgment is the whole gay, homosexual, whatever movement, you know, bisexual, transgender, that's what brings about God's most severe judgment and child sacrifice. Both of which are going on and increasing in this country and a lot of, in many places worldwide. God's judgment has to come. It has to come. The Bible says that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Well, many of the people in the church, their con- their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. They, no matter what I would tell them, they're not moved. How could their conscience not be moved over these types of issues? Well, I just want to talk about Jesus' love. God's just the big guy in the sky. He, he loves me and he loves everyone. And he'll never do anything to... You're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. Yes, God is a God of love. But he has his limits. He has, you know, there's also another side of God, which is judgment and righteousness and these types of things. We're going to be looking at more Bible verses regarding this. So back to this verse, Romans 1, 26-28. For God, for this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Again, they're women with women. Lesbianism. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. I don't understand that, but that's what the sodomite gay movement's all about. Men with men working that which was, which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of air which was meat. That word meat means fit. It was fitting. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, of course they don't. They don't want to think about God. God gave them over to a reprobate man. See, God's the one that ultimately does it. He, he ultimately permits it to happen. Like I said, you know, you want to be a devil... You know, God's not going to kick the door down to your heart. God gave them over. It's like having your conscience seared with a hot iron. God gives them over to a reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient. And then verse 132, who knowing the judgment of God, see these sodomites, just for example, know the judgment of God deep down. That they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Why? Because misery loves company. Hey, we're all doing it. We all need to have specially protected laws to guard our despicable, nasty behavior. Leviticus 20.13 Now, again, this is Old Testament. I'm not saying we're supposed to go out and do this, but, and I'm not advocating going and murdering anybody. Okay, but... And in the Old Testament, it was such a serious offense. It says, if a man, uh, Leviticus 20.13, If a man lie with mankind, as he lieth with woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall both surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Why? Because if you didn't put them to death, the blood could be upon you. Now, this is Old Testament. okay? But, again, <laughs> very, very serious thing, obviously. Just like the Bible says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Old Testament. If you're a witch, you're dead. You were, you were, why? Because they were putting sin out of the camp. Leviticus 18, 22 through 30. 
Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down unto thereto. It is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. See, when you do that, you defile yourself. You defile your temple. For in all these nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. In other words, God has a real big track record of, of destroying nations that commit these types of sins and condone them. So what, what could be, I mean, what, what's America's future? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm not saying he can't preserve the remnant and he won't preserve it, but I'm saying for the most part, you know, this nation is as good as judged. He has to, he has to judge this eventually. And then he goes on to say, and the land is defiled. Remember what I just said about the land? See, it doesn't just affect the person. It's not just, well, whatever we do in our bedroom, that's our business. No, it's not. It's defiling the land. I remember one time we were driving into, I think it was Helen, Georgia, a long time ago, before I was, I was unsaved, and it said, there was this sign there. It was like a road sign. It was like an official sign. like, And it said, like, there's no... Uh, sodomy permitted. And I didn't even really know, I just equated that, you know, with the with gay people. But actually, the word sodomy, there's a broader definition. I did that, I did a whole teaching on biblical prohibition of sexual sins. Oral sex is actually, was absolutely 100% sodomy. It was considered sodomy. It's just not been up until recently, we haven't been told that. But that's a form of sodomy, oral sex. Not just, you know, anal but oral as well. So this is something that's real important to know because um, and it's a and it's not even up for debate. This these are these are long-standing definitions that you can find, um, and uh, it's not up until recently when all of this has been diluted. So it's biblical sexual prohibitions. That's the name of the teaching. You can just key in part of one of those words in the keyword search box on sermon audio, and there's a there is normally a PDF as there will be with this study with each teaching that I do. It goes on to say, and the land is defiled. See, they didn't want sodomy being committed in their county or in their town because I believe they knew it wouldn't just affect the two people. It defiles the land, like when innocent blood is shed. It defiles the land. It brings a curse on the land. And what that does is it literally allows demons and devils to set up shop. They have a right to be there. I'm not saying that cannot be undone through prayer, fasting, and these types of things. But the whole point is they never wanted it to start. The land is defiled, therefore do I visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself shall vomit out her inhabitants. That's what's going to happen. It's going to vomit, the land is going to vomit out its inhabitants. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these things, for all these abominations, have the men, have the men of the land done which were before you, and the land is defiled. That the land spew not out, not you out also when you defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. That's, that's, the, that's the future of America. Unless we had mass repentance. 
on a national scale. That's the future of America, and a lot of nations, I believe. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance, that ye commit not any more of these abominable customs which were committed before you, that ye that ye defile not yourselves therein. So it not only defiles the land, it defiles you as well. And then it goes on, it ends by saying, I am the Lord your God. Oh, well that's the Old Testament, it doesn't apply now anymore. Right, yeah, right. Moral laws, moral things that were talked about, they're still valid. Okay, it's one thing when it when it talks about the the law in the Old Testament where you have to wear, um, you know, garments can't be like you can't combine two fabrics and you can't sow two types of various seeds in a field or plow an oxen with a mule or whatever. These types of things. I'm not saying there's not wisdom in those things. I'm not saying there's not wisdom in like the Levitical dietary guidelines. I did a whole teaching on that as well. There's wisdom, and there's reasons that those were said, but they're they're not so much moral laws as these are moral things. Okay, so anyway, let's go further. This is from Cutting Edge. <clears throat> President Obama has just propelled America into the new Sodom. President Obama signed the hate crimes bill into national law yesterday, creating a watershed event in the Illuminati persecution plan for genuine Christians. America will never be the same again, and God's physical judgment is now set in stone. This is from the Washington Post. After It's entitled, After 10-Year Dispute, Expansion of Hate Crime Laws to Gays Are Finally Signed. Move may help Obama quell rising discontent from gay rights groups. See, the gays are never, ever, ever going to be content, ever. Just like they weren't in Sodom and Gomorrah. They had gotten so bad that if a stranger had came into their city and they wanted to lie with him, they were willing to basically tear down your door in order to get to him. Isn't that what happened a lot in the angels? Yeah. That's how bad, that is how flagrant, that is how demon-possessed they will become if you let them. It's it's demon possession, what we're talking about here. Demon possession. With homosexuality, gay, transgender, bi, whatever you want to call it. Demon possession. This is why they do what they do. Wednesday, President Obama signed the bill and then hoisted, hosted a White House reception for gay activists and parents of the slain student, 21-year-old Matthew, Matthew Shepard. What a joke, that, that whole thing surrounding that. He's like their poster child. It's a proven fact that homosexuals make up a gigantic percentage of pedophiles. Okay? Homosexual pedophiles in particular. It's a proven fact. It's like 30 to 33% are homosexuals. Yet homosexuals themselves are only like, what, like 2 to 3% of the population. If there weren't a demonic problem with that whole homosexual issue, why are there such a disproportionate amount of homosexuals that are pedophiles as well? And those are just the ones we know about. It's because it's demonic. Okay, so, but Matthew Shepard's their poster boy. So after more than a decade of opposition to delay, we passed inclusive hate crimes laws, legislation to help protect our citizens from violence based on what they look like. Yeah, like there's there's true born-again Christians out there going and beating up gay people. When does that ever, ever happen? I'm not saying gay people haven't been beat up. 
But it's not the true born-again Bible-believing Christians that are going out there doing it. I mean, if you got somebody like in the Ku Klux Klan or somebody doing it, I mean, my word, they're in a cult anyway. How can you broad-brush Christianity? But they love to do that. They just love to lump us in and blame it on the Christians. <clears throat> they passed inclusive hate crimes legislation to protect the citizens from violence based on what they look like, who they love, no, it should be who they lust, how they pray or who they are. Obama said after signing, <clears throat> I find it highly offensive that President Obama would invoke the word pray in this entire bro-gay ceremony. If any unrepentant gay person prays, their prayer is like that of the Pharisees and Sadducees of whom Jesus spoke in Luke 18.11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Remember, the only prayer God hears is, uh, from a sinner is the prayer of earnest repentance. The propagandists long ago learned to clothe the most vile concepts with the cloak of religion. The undiscerning Christian will hear the religious language and be deceived into thinking that what is occurring must be compatible with Christianity. The legislation extends provisions first passed in 1968 that make it a federal crime to target individuals because of their race, religion, or national origin. Under the law, judges can impose harsher penalties on crimes that are motivated by such origins, and the Justice Department can help local police investigate alleged hate crimes. This, this teaching I'm doing today would be considered a hate crime, I would imagine. Oh, well, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The next segment reports the official tally of the number of hate crimes reported each year in America. A number I do not believe for one second. As my daddy used to say, figures don't lie, but liars figure. Truer words are hard to come by these days, particularly words that fit the situation so appropriately. Remember, the lesbian, gay, transgender, bisexual hate crimes legislation was near and dear to President Obama. He was not a passive bystander, but an active promoter of the bill. I think that obviously there's a great deal of impatience and frustration within our community, not just related to the last 10 months, but the last 10 years. Oh, these poor gay people, they've got it so rough. They really do. This, was, this quote I just read is from Joe Solomonese, president of the district-based gay human rights campaign, which has worked for years on the issue. Uh, then he goes on to say, but the White House was absolutely critical partner in getting this legislation to the president's desk. And I have no doubt the White House will continue to be a partner in the fight. End of quote. The hate crimes bill got its start under the leadership of President Bill Clinton and his wife, Hillary. I'm sorry, Hillary. Um, however, the legislation was shelved because opposition was so intense. Plus, Bill had another agenda to which he felt he must turn his attention and his resources. But now, one decade later, American values and attitudes toward all forms of homosexuality has changed so very much that the Democrats this time around made, made the legislation a top priority. As the next news story illustrates, the hate crimes law is nothing more, nothing less than a declaration of war against Jesus Christ and his word and his followers. This is from CNS News. Uh, Boer is just plain wrong for Democrats to attach a hate crimes measure to a defense authorization bill. This is classic. This is what they always end up doing. Uh, attaching something like this to something that's totally non-related and should be totally separate. But again, where was the outcry of the church? I mean, there was, yeah, I know Ted Pike, and, and there was, I know some others, 
um, like cutting edge in these. But where was the church for the most part? This, well, I think they're they're showing that they're not the church. They're not standing up for righteousness. They're not standing up for truth. They're standing up for political correctness. They don't want to step on any toes. Well, they're not even supposed to be commenting on these issues because they're 501c3 corporate entities. They're right to keep their mouth shut, right? Well, they, they're the ones that took that status. You know, it's no wonder they're silent for the most part. The bill defines a hate crime to be any felony of violence that is motivated by prejudice based on actual or perceived race, color, religion, national origin, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability of the victim, or is a violation of state, local, or tribal hate crime laws. The word perceived in the sentence is huge. is huge enough to drive an 18-wheeler truck through. What this language allows the government to do is single out persons they want to jail and arrange the same kind of, quote, show trial for which the Russian communists under Joseph Stalin made infamous. During the kind of trial government prosecutors need not provide any evidence which would stand up under normal judicial scrutiny. Rather, they would make the accusation based upon the perception of the alleged victim and pass the guilty as charge verdict, which was guaranteed from the start. Lord Jesus Christ rebuke these devils. Every one of them. And again, this is why I put up that teaching about Psalm 64. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. That's how, the, how, the, how it starts out. You're asking God, and then you're asking God to judge wickedness. Or the wicked. Because if the wicked are going to remain wicked, and let's face it, 99.9% of them are, when God judges wickedness, always good things happen from a pure biblical scriptural standpoint. Pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming on the earth and stand before the Son of Man. He can hide you no matter what. Now we learn as fact, and back to the article, now we learn as fact what we have suspected all along. The law criminalizes thought. See, it's never going to end. So you might as well just take your stand now. If you haven't, you might as well just take your stand now. Because now we've got thought being criminalized. It will, you'll, you'll have to totally give yourself over and take the mark of the beast in order to appease the devil. That's the only thing that will ever... And then that's, that's your one-way ticket to hell in the lake of fire. You cannot take the mark of the beast and ever expect to get into heaven. It will not happen. The Bible's very clear. Well, Tim LaHaye's book said you could. It's just as long as you really didn't mean it. Huh, well... Who's your God? Tim LaHare, the Bible. Where are you putting your trust in, I should say? You might as well take your, th your stand now. <laughs> so, we're criminalizing thought now. Boer and the Republicans say the law criminalizes thinking someone may or may not have had had during the commission of a crime. Punishment will now be based on a person's thoughts, not their actual behavior. All violent crimes should be prosecuted vigorously, no matter what the circumstances. What, we've, what do we got here? Violent thought crimes now? Boer said Democrats' thought crimes legislation, however, places a higher value on some lives than others. The United States of America has just declared war on Christian values. The Bible upon which those values rest, and the genuine Christians who live their lives upholding these biblical values. The Illuminati, with President Obama leading the way, 
has just destroyed another large piece of the Christian foundation upon which the formerly great country was established. Well, that's debatable, but... uh, Truly, Jesus was correct when he predicted that one of the end-of-age prophecies would be to return to gay values. Luke 17, 28-30. Likewise also, as in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained down fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Now, who did it destroy? The Sodomites. Even thus, that's why they call it Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where the word sodomy ended up coming from. I mean, I'm sure you all figured that out. But So thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now I'm not saying, when I, that comment I just made about America, I'm not saying that America obviously has seen way, way incredibly better days and way, way more godly days. I'm just talking about some of the things with the founding of this country where everybody said it was so unbelievably puritanical and we have all this evidence to prove that so many of the founding quote fathers were Freemasons and things of this nature and yes I understand Freemasonry wasn't exactly what it is today but it was still wicked it was still evil they still had the same wicked symbols on their aprons and they still did a lot of the same things that even though they may not have thought it was a big deal was a big deal in God's eyes there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28.26. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I already said that one, sorry. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17.9. So, we just want to be real careful about that. God's physical annihilation of America is thus set in stone by the passage of this law. Um, now, again, it said, But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained down fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Thus, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. That was Luke 17, 28-30. God's physical annihilation of America is thus set in stone by the passage of this law. I will tell you exactly how and when America will be thus destroyed in my personal opinion. Now, this is David Bay's take on it. I'm not saying that this is exactly... But I think I think he brings up a good um, possibility here. Uh, I, I, I sure wouldn't rule it out. Okay? So, just because I give a... Uh, this doesn't mean, like, thus saith the Lord, or I'm giving or he's giving some prophecy. This is a plausible way it could play out. Okay? He goes on uh, to quote Revelation 18, 2 and 3. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundances of her delicacies. Okay, now... Again, please don't email me and try to get into some big debate about what Babylon, you know. This is David Bay's take on it. I think he brings up an interesting point. I also believe that regardless of what Babylon actually is, it to, to me, in a way, it, and I'm not going to say it's irrelevant, but America's judgment set in stone no matter what Babylon is. Okay, For so many different reasons, this new hate crimes law being just one of the many, Okay, and these are types and examples we can look at, if nothing else. Okay, so 
Revelation 18.5 says, For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Well, I would say that pretty much applies to America. Revelation 18.8, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall utterly be burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And people email me, like, do you think I should get out of America? Hey, if the Lord's opening the door for you to get out of America, by all means. But, um, you know, that door is normally open either through finances or through somebody maybe extending their, you know, uh, I don't know, doors open to you. Okay, it doesn't happen. I haven't had a lot of people email me back, you know, successfully exodus with a successful exodus out of America. We're talking, you know, this costs money to do this, to get into another country, to become, let's say, a citizen and these types of things. This is not cheap, typically, to do this. So, for most people, it's not an option, even from an economic or a monetary standpoint. Now, I'm not saying the Lord can't provide you with that, those means to do it. But, from the feedback I've gotten, there's not a lot of people that have done it at this point. Cutting Edge has long maintained that, ec- that economic Babylon is Revelation 18 in the United States of America. We have posted an article on the subject and encourage you to read it. It's called The Economic Babylon of Revelation 18 Maybe America. It's number CE1038. Now this will be up on the PDF. Uh, it's a former radio transcript. Now let us examine when America will be destroyed. Notice this prophecy of Revelation 18 does not occur following does not occur following time with the events of Revelation 6 through 16. How do we know this? In Revelation 16, 17, an angel describes to earth, proclaiming that all of God's judgments are done and are finished. Revelation 16, 17 says, And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. Action in the book of Revelation does not begin again until chapter 19. For this reason, Bible scholars call Revelation 17 and 18 the parenthetical chapters. In other words, the events of these two chapters do not necessarily follow the events of Revelation 16, nor do they necessarily immediately precede the events of Revelation 19. These events could occur any time during the seven-year tribulation period, in other words. When America might be destroyed. To pinpoint this destruction, we need to remember that America will be part of the North American Union at the time the Antichrist arises. As such, America is part of a supernation number one. Of the Illuminati plan to reorganize the world into precisely ten supernations, just as Daniel foretells in Daniel 7, 7 through 8. And they've got a whole article on here on NAFTA, the shocking rest of the story. This is how they're dividing into the ten regions, into the ten nations. It's News 1002. Now, in order to access these news articles, Cutting Edge charges, I think, like $25 a year in order to access their their information. And, I mean, you know, I I pay it every year. And, I mean, it's it's they've been, they've had some really invaluable articles in there that you can access. Um, and I'm not saying I agree with every single thing, theologically, Cutting Edge believes in. None of us do. Okay, none of no ministry out there agrees with one another on every single point. It's just not going to happen. The Bible says that we know in part and that we see in part. We see through a glass, yet but darkly. None of us have it all figured out. So, you know, I mean, understand. Yes, there's a point in time when 
when you when somebody's just a heretic and you separate and you put out that one and you know a heretic after the second and third admonition reject you know yes there's a, a time when that comes but a lot of these things are just varying opinions of what may be coming in the future so um, this is their take on it Daniel 7 7 through 8 says after this I saw the, the night visions and behold a fourth beast dreadful and terrible and exceedingly strong and it had great iron teeth this is the beast of basically the day and times we're moving into it devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet thereof and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it and it had ten horns I considered the horns and behold there came up from among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots and behold in this horn were the eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things in other words three out of the ten supernations or at least three out of the the ten uh, supernation leaders are going to be destroyed after the Antichrist or the Little Horn arises. Might the North American Union be one of the three supernations that are destroyed? Again, it's it's real tough to be dogmatic. It's a theory, and it's a theory I think that that you know bears looking at. Uh, former Satanist Cisco Wheeler told me that her father, a middle-level Illuminati operative, told her repeatedly that she had only 12 days to get out of America once she saw the Antichrist had arisen in Israel, east of Jerusalem. On day 13, after the Antichrist had arisen, America was going to be totally destroyed by fire. Now, I did not, I never had heard that. Okay, but, regardless of if you believe that or not, isn't it good to at least have that in your informational quiver? Bearing that possibly in mind? The Antichrist arises and he confirms the covenant with many nations for seven years. As the Bible talks about in Daniel. Or it says a week, but in that case it's seven years. And once you see that happen, hmm, because it's weird because it says that um, in Revelation 18.8, 8, therefore shall her plagues come in one day. Huh. Death, mourning, and famine, and she shall utterly be burned with fire. That's really weird because it says that in Revelation 18 8 regarding this Babylon, economic Babylon, and uh, former Satanist Cisco Wheeler, her father, mid level Illuminati operative, told her repeatedly that she had only 12 days to get out of America once she saw the Antichrist had arisen in Israel east of Jerusalem on day 13 after the Antichrist had arisen America was going to be totally destroyed by fire hmm wow by fire that's totally lining up with what Revelation 18.8 says so really food for thought here not only is the Illuminati planning to destroy by fire consistent with scripture but America has been uniquely associated with the number 13 all throughout her history since the Illuminati stopped the number of colonies at 13 until the Revolutionary War was concluded. Uh, that was a uh, from former Satanist Doc Marquis. He was a friend of mine. I haven't heard from him in years. But, um, yeah, I, I've talked to Doc on the phone several times. And uh, last time I talked to him, he said that he had been, they tried to kill him so many times he had lost track. Because he was a generational Luciferian that came out of, you know, high-level Illuminati. So, um, okay, so going further, it says, while these understandings do not carry weight of prophetic scripture, I, 
David Bay believe they're true. God will destroy America with fire shortly after the Antichrist rises, and President Obama will have a major role in sealing our national fate. If persecution of Christians breaks out before the Antichrist arises, and along the lines of the infamous hate crime bill, are you spiritually prepared? The next article is, and he has at the end here, are you prepared to go to prison? Well, really, are you prepared to die? Really? I mean, I'm, I'm just being flat out honest. Because, you know, ultimately, that may be what we have to do. You know, there were hundreds of thousands of martyrs before us. Just in the Catholic Inquisition alone. That died. And, um, I'm not saying the Lord Jesus Christ can't protect you. I'm not saying you should get down in the dumps and start saying, oh, woe is me, we're all going to die, and, and this and that. Remember, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you are martyred, that's your door to heaven. And you're not going to have to worry about being martyred again. It's going to be one time. Whereas hell is eternal. The lake of fire is eternal. It's nothing compared to either. So, you know... But again, I believe you always need to maintain the faith to believe no matter how bad it gets, no matter how many people might turn their back on you, the Lord Jesus Christ is perfectly capable of protecting you and taking care of you. And that's why I started out today by quoting Psalm 91. That's why I've done teachings like Psalm 64. But see, if you don't ever do that, if you don't ever appropriate it, if you don't ever believe those scriptures can have meaning and, and be real in your life, how is God ever going to protect you? you? You lack the faith to believe that He can. You're limiting God by your lack of faith. And this is why the Bible says in Ephesians 6, to above all, take up the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now there's all the other full armor of God as well. Very important stuff. And that we battle not against flesh and blood but against princes and principalities and rulers of wickedness. See, this gay thing, this gay agenda, we're not battling gay people. We're battling the demons and devils and fallen angels and Satan himself that emanate and operate through his emissaries on this earth. The gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual movement, pedophilia movement being probably the chief way he possesses men and women and they become his slaves totally taken over. But it's not, our, our eyes don't need to be focused on the people, but on the spiritual entities emanating and operating through them. That's where the battle is. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning fleshly, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. The Bible says in regard to Revelation, regarding the saints, it said they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, or the Antichrist, by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives not unto the death. Well, the word of their testimony implies faith, doesn't it? Well, if you have a testimony, you know, you have faith. You, you're giving a testimony. That implies faith. Angelic protection. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of your testimony. The power of the Holy Spirit. To come boldly before the throne of God. To make your supplications known. Prayer. Fasting. Memorizing the Word of God. These are all ways to appropriate God's protection. 
to get through to the Lord Jesus Christ. So think on those things. Okay? I'm a watchman, so my job is to warn you, but I also want to always point you back to what we need to be truly dwelling on and thinking about. Next article. Homosexual Halloween hate. Gay couple targets Maggie Gallagher, Carrie Prejan in vicious rooftop display. Now, see, this is okay to do. The gays can do this all day long. Pro-traditional marriage advocate Maggie Gallagher's face is attached to a nude mannequin with lyre written on the stomach. The rooftop creation of West Hollywood's homosexual couple Chad Michael Morissette and Mito Alves. Now, uh, just for instance, what if the Lord Jesus Christ judged them and he judged these this homosexual couple in such a way that there's no way you could say it was by accident. There's just no way that you could say, oh, well, they just died an untimely death. What if that were to happen? Might the homosexual crowd look at it and all men would see in fear and declare the work of God for they would wisely consider of God's doing? See, this is the whole point of what I'm talking about. This isn't us going out in judging other people or beating people or doing anything like that, which I don't advocate and I don't think New Testament Christianity advocates it in any way, shape, or form. But I'm saying if God does it, if the Lord goes before and fights our battles, I really believe there's a day and time coming when that is going to be commonplace. If God, we know God's judgment on wickedness is coming, well, it's got to start someplace. Now, the Bible also says judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. Man alive, I wouldn't want to be in one of these mega churches. Probably going to start there. The deviant duo say the theme for their bigoted rooftop display is, this is the theme, Forces of Evil 2009. Well, at least they're honest. Sure. I mean, they're of the father of the devil and they're proud of it. Seemingly oblivious to the nastiness of the crude attacks on religious and conservative leaders, delighted by their 15 minutes of fame last Halloween for infamously hanging a mannequin dressed up as Sarah Palin with a noose around her neck, the homosexual couple this year has broadened its hate campaign by loading their house, roof's housetop with several new images attacking social conservatives. In addition to childish slam against Gallagher, the homosexual couple any religious creation features a chopped in half and bloodied upside down torso of a blonde woman hanging from the roof also intended to be Carrie Prejan who was the runner up to Miss California 2009 who was infamously maligned by the homosexual homosexual gossip colonist and pageant judge Perez Hilton because he didn't like her sincere answer to the question about same sex marriage see that's okay to do they can now can you imagine if any Christian were to do a likewise similar thing where they had some gay guy or whatever, like they got like Elton John or something, you know, hung up or with a noose around his neck or who knows, some some flagrantly gay guy who's been outspoken. Do you think there wouldn't be the biggest up outcry in all? It's okay for them to do it, though. But that's the day and times we're moving into where, where wicked is called good. Wick, wickedness is called good. Evil is called good, and good is called evil. That's the day and time we're in and we're moving into. And it's not going to get any better, I hate to say it. Pastor, Here's the next article. Pastor to proclaim Jesus' love at Gay Pride Fest. 
This is from the triplexchurch.com. Triple X, like XXX, like pornography. Triplexchurch.com, Pastor Craig Gross, that's a good name, Gross, is attending the Atlanta Pride Festival, Atlanta Gay Pride, this weekend to apologize for the way religious people have often treated gays. Oh, I hope he apologizes to those the homosexual couple we just talked about first. I really do. I hope he licks their boots and and you know I really do because they they they've been so I just can't believe the persecution they've had to endure at our hands. In hopes of diminishing the disconnect between the homosexual community and the church, gross you know who else does this? Uh, Jim Baker's son, Jay Baker. He's got a very similar, totally apostate ministry that he does. A real chip off the old block. You know, got tattoos all over him. Totally demon-possessed looking. And he has a very, very similar, and I've done teachings on this, um, where they've had these gay outreaches to these mega churches, And Jay Baker's been one of the main go-betweens. Well, he's of his father, the devil, and of his works he will do. You know, they've got these totally watered down Bibles that you probably can't even hardly get saved out of anymore. They've removed all references to anything like this out of them, out of to any the, the verses that I read. They've been either removed or totally changed, for the most part. And in their Bibles, they're like, well, there's nothing in here against gays. What are we doing? We need to reach out to them. We need to condone their sin because they can't help it. They were born that way, right? We've gotten into that in times past, but that whole subject. <clears throat> the annual lesbian, gay, transgender event is the last stop in Gross's unconventional Jesus Loves You tour. For the past couple of months, he and Jason Harper have been promoting the simple message to gluttons, criminals, porn stars, and... Um, even the religious. The message is spelled out in the recently released book, Jesus Loves You, This I Know. They believe Jesus' vision and values have been distorted, twisted, and hijacked by political dogma, right-wing sectarians, and extremist beliefs. Why don't they just say that they believe Jesus' visions and values have been distorted by the Bible? Because the Bible is very, very clear, and we're going to look at what the Bible says. We've already looked at some of the verses. We're going to look at more. So, again, what they're doing by saying that uh, speaking out against whatever gays, the gay community, if that's a hate crime, then the Bible's a hate crime. Because that is where I base my beliefs from, the Bible. So what you're saying is I can't practice my religion, I can't practice Christianity anymore. That's what they're saying. Okay? So again, the devil is going to try to just pin us all in corners. And we're going to have to, there's going to come a, a point in time when if you've been hiding in the shadows, you're not going to be able to hide anymore. God will test you. You might as well, like I said, you might as well just go for it right now. Don't, don't even be, you know, I'm not saying you go out on a street corner and try to provoke people or whatever. But whatever the Lord's convicting you of, if there's something that you're deathly afraid of, and, and like, let's say this, that might be the very thing God tests you in. Because the Bible says that we're going to be tried. We're going to be tried as silver. And when silver's tried, it's heated. So the dross can come out. Myself included. I'm not saying I've attained or I'm Mr. Whatever. I'm speaking as much to myself as I am anyone else. 
I'm not holding you to a higher accountability than I would hold myself. So going further, uh, Harper recently lamented to the worshipers of Capital Christian Center in Sacramento, California, that oftentimes people don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with the people who have spoken on his behalf. No, they don't. If somebody's speaking on Jesus' behalf, his word is very clear. Well, let's look at what the Bible says regarding this subject. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Hmm. Well, that doesn't sound very loving. You mean the wicked can't do wickedly and they're not going to all go to heaven? Well, it doesn't really sound like it to me. With that verse, let's go further. Daniel 12.10. And this is the verse I was just talking about. This is regarding the end times. This is regarding the modern day Christian. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. Purified, made white. Like the white raiment. And tried. They're going to be tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. The wicked are going to keep doing wickedly. There's nothing you can do about that. Yes, you can pray for them in these things, and hopefully some will be converted. But for the most part, the wicked are going to continue to do wickedly, and they're going to continue to demand more laws that protect them. But the wise shall understand. Are you wise? Do you understand what we're saying today? I mean, it's very clear biblically what's going on here. Psalm 58, verse 3, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Well, that's not very loving. How could dare you judge a baby? Hey, I don't know. God's the one that divides this up. I don't know. He knows who's wicked. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. The Bible also puts it in Hebrews is that they are vessels of wrath fitted for God's destruction. You know what that word fitted means? It means prepared. Well, that's not fair. Listen, this is God's universe. It's his word. It's not mine. Don't get mad at me for what the Bible says. Don't get mad at me for what you, or maybe even myself, can't fully comprehend. I can't fully comprehend it. But that's what his word says. But the Bible says his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. The wicked are strange from the womb before they're born? That's what it says. Psalm 58, verse 6. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Now, this is the same chapter where it talks about the wicked are strange from the womb. And then it says, break their teeth, the wicked's teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Next verse. Let them melt away as waters which run continually when he... Bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows, let them be as cut in pieces. That's what the psalmist is praying for the wicked. Why? That all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider of his doing, that the righteous would be glad and rejoice and trust in him, and all men would see and fear and declare the work of God. That's why. That's why. But it's hardly ever preached. That's that concept. See Psalm 64. And the keyword search box is called Psalm 64, Christian's Door of Hope. And it's not the only psalm. Just It's the one main one the Lord led me to, personally. Okay, so. Um, 
Next verse, Psalm 58, verse 9. Before your pots can feel the thorns, shall he take them away, the wicked away, as a whirlwind, both living in his wrath. The righteous shall rejoice when he see the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. Oh, that's not loving. I think it's a type and a figure here, but yeah. It's what the Bible says. So that a man shall say, Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Verily, he is a God that judgeth in the earth. God's judgment always brings about, from a biblical standpoint, always brings about good things. Matthew 13, 36. And this is Jesus talking here. Now, remember, they said, Harper recently lamented, lamented to uh, this church that oftentimes people don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with the people who have spoken on his behalf. Well, let me let Jesus speak on his behalf then. Let's see what Jesus has to say. He says in Matthew 13, 36, when Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him saying, declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field, the tares of the field, T-A-R-E-S. He, Jesus, answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the the tares are the children of the wicked one. They're literal people. These tares, it's like weeds that grow up with the wheat. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. The tares are the children of the wicked one. Now, interestingly enough, Genesis 3.15, I've quoted this verse many times, regarding when... God pronounces judgment on Eve and the serpent. It says, I will put enmity between thee, meaning the serpent, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Two separate, distinct seed lines. Eve had a separate seed line than the serpent. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. Notice it says it's thy seed. In, in the verse before it, it said the field is the world and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Hmm. And then goes on in verse uh, Matthew thirteen thirty nine. the enemy that sowed them is the devil. What do you sow? You sow seeds, right? You sow seeds and they grow. So the enemy planted these seeds, the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them that do iniquity, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's what it says, where it says the wicked are appointed to go. Well, that's not... I, I think I do have a problem with what Jesus says now. Well, that's, again, why I believe they're going to have to outlaw the King James Bible. Because I don't think... that I, I, You know, you have to look at where... If people are out there and they're saying something from a biblical standpoint that the gays would say is a hate crime, where did they get that belief system? From the Word of God, particularly the King James Bible. The ones that are taking the stand are particularly, usually people that use the King James Bible. Because you're not going to come to these same conclusions using a watered-down version. 
And again, if you have any doubts in the King James Bible, be in the Word of God, just do keep KJV in the search box on my homepage on sermonaudio.com forward slash DR Scott Johnson, Dr. Scott Johnson, and uh, I've done, I don't know how many teachings on it. Okay, so along those lines, um, actually, you know what, I'm going to have to, uh, I don't think I've got enough. I'm going to try to get through this next report because it does relate to this. Why boys are turning into girls. Here's something rather rotten from the state of Denmark. Its government yesterday unveiled official research showing that two-year-old children are at risk for a be- bewildering array of gender-bending uh, gender chemicals in such everyday items as waterproof clothes, rubber boots, bed linens, food, uh, nappies, I don't know what that is, napkins maybe, sunscreen lotion, and moisturizing cream. The 326-page report published by the Environmental Protection Agency is the latest piece of increasingly alarming jigsaw. A picture is emerging of ubiquitous chemical contamination driving down sperm counts and feminizing male children all over the developed world. And the anti-pollution measures and regulations are falling short of getting a grip on it. Sperm counts are falling so fast that young men are much less fertile than their dads were. The gender-bending chemicals are increasingly being blamed for the mystery of the, quote, lost boys. Babies who should normally have been male, but who have been born girls instead? I'm not really understanding exactly... They go on to say that there's more girls now being born than boys, and they're blaming that on these chemicals. Well... Um, but the but many of the babies that are being born are feminized. You notice how I'm sorry, but the the men. I'm sorry. I just see so much feminization of men. Uh, men that that have their wives totally ruling over them, which is unbiblical. I'm sorry. I'm not saying you know. I'm, I'm talking from a biblical standpoint. The women children are ruling over the men. That's a judgment according to the Bible. The Bible says that that is a form of judgment. When men and women, when when children and women rule over men. Okay? The men in America, for the most part, have lost their backbone. So they've become feminized. Some of it is due to this. The feminizing agents, the xenoestrogens that are in so many plastic products, the xenoestrogens that are in so many personal care products, pro, anything with proper meth on the label, it's a xenoestrogen. It mimics estrogen, which is a female hormone in the body, but it's the cancer-causing form of estrogen. It's the synthetic cancer-causing form of estrogen. If you drink water out of the plastic bottles all the time, the, the, um, if you look at the bottom of the, of the uh, water bottle, it'll say number one. It means it's good for one use. It's uh, polyethylene something. PET is the plastic. It's very, very cheap. It, it leaches um, antimony, which is a heavy metal that can cause all kinds of problems. It leaches xenoestrogens, essentially, uh, into the water as well, which is feminizing. Uh, this is why I try to, like I have one of those Eclo Blues that Alex Jones advocates. Boy, is it a pain. Oh, man, is it a pain. It's like a part-time job having that thing. Uh, but it does make water, and you can put it in stainless steel um, containers, which is probably the best from the standpoint of the glass would break. Uh, but you can make water, and you don't have to worry about all those 
PETs and, and the xenoestrogens and, and things like that. Personal care, pro- so many things. But it's the feminization, it's the gelding of men worldwide. It's lowering the sperm count, which is lowering, obviously, um, population increase, which is another reason they're doing it. But they want to create a whole population of, of sickly, weak, feminized men. That's what they're after to do. Men without any backbones. Um, you know, it's just, that's what they're trying to do, as far as I can see. Uh, I don't know. Going further, the Danish government set out to find how much contamination from gender-bending chemicals a two-year-old child was exposed to every day. It concluded that the child could be at critical risk from just a few exposures to high levels of substances, such as from rubber clogs, rubber uh, shoes, I guess, and imperiled and imperiled by the amount it absorbed from sources ranging from food to sunscreens. Sunscreens are terrible. I mean, just almost every personal care product you put on your skin has pro, meth, all kind of chemicals. Where do those chemicals go? Skin can absorb all that. It goes into your body. Your liver ultimately has to deal with that. Your liver is being bombarded. And your kidneys. But the liver is the chief site of, of where toxins and carcinogenic compounds are broke down in the body. And most of our livers are totally overwhelmed. Really should be doing almost ongoing detox um, of that. So, the results build um, on earlier studies. Oh, as far as detoxes go. Uh, Zeal Heal, I think, is a very good detox. Um, it's the zeolite product that's come out. It's the sister product to that Bionade product I talked about earlier. You just can Zeo Heal, Z-E-O-H-E-A-L. You can get it on the internet. Um, the one of the product lines I use is called SP Cleanse. It cleanses all the systems of the body, uh, blood, lymph, liver, kidney, mm, a little bit on bowel. That's a very good one too. If you want to do an herbal capsule, uh, those are two good, very good ones. Um, the SP Cleanse is by Standard Process. Anyway, let's go further. Um, the results build on earlier studies showing British children have higher levels of gender-bending chemicals in their blood than their parents or grandparents. Indeed, World Wildlife Fund, which commissioned the older research, warned that the chemicals were so widespread that there is very little of anything individuals can do to prevent contamination of themselves and their families. This is why you really need to be doing ongoing detox. Because even if you're eating totally organic, you're going to get some exposure to this stuff. It's inevitable. I mean, chemtrail in the skies constantly. <laughs> you know, that's that's another thing that you you just walk outside or or the outgassing of the paints and the plastics in your car, in your house, in your carpets. All of that is chemicals. And it's all by design to, you know, just destroy humanity. Satan wants to destroy the seed of humanity, just like he did in the flood. When the fallen angels fell and defiled humanity, and it got so bad, God had to destroy and wipe out the whole world with a flood. Save eight people. Everything was so defiled. That's what he's doing today. And the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. He's doing the same thing today. A little bit, well, way differently. More subtly. Well, Satan is the most subtle beast of the field, according to Genesis 3. So it should be no surprise that he's doing it that way. This is subtle. Most people don't even know about this. Prominent among them are dioxins. These are the chemicals. PVC, flame retardants, uh, petylates, 
extensively used to soften plastics, and now largely banned PCBs, one and a half million tons of which were used in countless products from paints to electrical equipment. Young boys like those in the Danish study could end up producing less sperm and developing feminized behavior. Research at Rotterdam's Erasmus University found that boys whose mothers were exposed to PCBs and dioxins were more likely to play with dolls and tea sets and dress up in female clothes. How sickening. It's not cute to let your kid do that. I've literally heard of men who were like totally straight and they some girl convinces them to put a dress on and go to Halloween in it and they literally become addicted to that behavior from that point forward. You never know what little thing you might do, or seemingly little thing, that in God's eyes is a total abomination. You never know what little thing or thing you may do that may open you up to demonic infestation. And these are people that were unsaved anyway. Uh, and it is the womb that babies are most vulnerable. A study of umbilical cords from British mothers found that every one contained hazardous chemicals, yet gender-bending chemicals are largely exempt Imagine this, they're largely exempt from the new EU regulations controlling hazardous chemicals. Funny, they're doing everything they can in the world to limit us, to limit our movement, to limit our behavior patterns, to limit our thought processes, yet they're going to allow these chemicals, oh sure, those are okay, because they're part of our agenda, they're part of the genocide. Britain, then under Tony Blair's premiership, was largely responsible for this, restricting their inclusion in the first draft of the legislation, and then causing even what was included to be watered down. Confidential documents show that it did so after pressure from George W. Bush's administration, which protested that U.S. exports could be impacted. Okay, I'm going to end part one there. I know I went a little bit over uh, for those making CDs, but I'm sorry. I wanted to keep all this together. God bless you, and we'll see you on the uh, next teaching.